following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Psalms, the 78th Psalm, beginning with verse 12. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zon. He divided the sea, and he led them through. He made the water stand still like a wall. He guided them with a cloud by day and with light from fire all night. He split the rocks in the desert, and he gave them water as abundant as the seas. 
he brought streams out of rocky crags and made water flow down like river. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply the meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. And yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens. He led forth the south wind by his power. He rained meat down on them like dust, flying birds like the sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they had no more strength, for he had given them what they craved. But before they turned from the food they craved, even while it was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them, and he put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered the God, that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. They were not faithful to his covenant. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We have some very deep things to talk about today. Things that will touch you and identify some key issues in your life that will make it impossible for God to deliver you and restore you and set you free. Things that will keep you in bondage, that will block the blessings of God. As we begin, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you hold all of our lives in your hands. For you are the one who chooses to give or take life. And you are the judge who will determine in the end whether we are in heaven or hell. Lord Jesus, I plead today, would you open our understanding, would you open our minds, we could comprehend and understand and take action. In the name of Jesus, I pray. 
Amen. In the book of Mark, there is just a very brief reference to this great trial of Jesus in the wilderness. After his baptism, where the Father speaks and says, You are my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. At once, it says, the Spirit sent him into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Now, we need to go back and look once more in Matthew where a much fuller description is given of this time in the desert. Chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's quoting scriptures out of Deuteronomy. And then finally, the last great temptation. And I have to tell you, I have discounted this temptation. And I dare not do so any longer. The temptation is this. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now here's the issue. The question is whether or not Jesus will compromise with the devil and whether or not Jesus will believe in his Father, or whether he will believe in the devil. Now, immediately in my mind, I say, well, that's an obvious truth. This was a foolish temptation on Satan's part, because obviously Jesus is not going to worship him. He is God. That's much too shallow a look. At this passage, we need to go much deeper. The most difficult question for the human heart to answer in our fallen condition as sons and daughters of Adam, will we trust God? Now, it seems that the answer should be automatic. Of course, we'll trust God. Don't be so quick. There is an inboard enmity against God in the heart of every human person. And when God does not give us what we think we deserve and what we want, 
when life becomes very painful and very difficult, anger rises up in the human heart and makes a charge against the living God of heaven, an accusation, you're not being fair to me. How can you treat me like this? This accusation, this rage and anger that arises in the human heart because I'm not getting what I want, I'm still caught in the bondage, the power of darkness is overwhelming me. When I am caught in that place, the pure enmity and hatred of God rises up and I become the accuser of God. I become the accuser of God. Well, who is the great accuser? The accuser of the brethren. The scriptures tell us that Satan is the accuser of God. So if in my heart, in the bitterness of my situation, if I rise up with accusations against the living God of heaven, I am joining, I am worshiping Satan. I am worshiping Satan. And so in this passage, Satan is saying, look, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you what you want. I'll make it all work. I'll make it all possible. And now the question is, do you want to make the money you lust after? Do you want the comfortable life that you believe you deserve? Do you want that new car? Do you want that new job? Do you want these things that you believe should be your right to have as an American? And are you upset and angry because you don't have them? If so and you make accusations against God, you are worshiping Satan. Now, that's hard to acknowledge. But the power of darkness is so great as it comes against the human heart that there's no way for us to turn it aside in our own strength. There must be an intervention of the powerful blood of Jesus to change us so that as we face these very difficult times and very difficult issues, we make a choice. Trust God. To trust Him. To put our faith in Him. You see, the temptation is not to overtly bow down and worship Satan. The temptation is to place the worth upon the devil and make him the object of self-esteem, of worth. And with that anger that God will not give me what I want, and when times grow very painful and very difficult, and for every one of us, there will be a time, if there is not right now, when things will be very painful and very difficult for us. 
And in that painful and difficult place, the question comes, will you or will you not trust Jesus Christ? Will you put your faith in Jesus and trust him? Or will you grow angry and discouraged and despairing, turn with accusations against the Most High? Jesus answered this question by saying, Away from me, Satan, or that is, leave me alone now. Get out of here, Satan. I will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left and angels came and attended to him. Do you want angels to come and attend to you? Holy, brilliant, beautiful angels to come and attend to you? Then you will have to pass the test. And you'll have to turn away from all bitterness, rage, and anger. You'll have to turn aside from all accusation against God, all charges of his being unfair or unfaithful. And you'll have to take a stand. I trust Jesus. I read for you in Psalm 78. It's found in other places as well. The children of Israel refused to believe in the Lord. They saw the miracles. They ate the manna. But when it came time to enter into the Cana land, in rebellion they rose up and said, We and our children will die. We should never have left the bondage of Egypt. And it angered the Lord. And the consequence was that not one of them was allowed to enter into the promised land save Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else died in the desert. He said, okay, I'll take your children in. Instead of their going into captivity, I will take your children into the promised land and all the men of fighting age right now will die in this desert because of your bitter rebellion and refusal to believe in me. Now I must confess, this is not easy. Probably the most difficult part of my journey has been around this issue. Will I believe in the Lord God of heaven? Now, if you have a regular paycheck coming in and you're prospering in your job and your house is owned by you and you have that nice new car and life is fine, then you'll not really be pressed to answer the question, Will you believe in Jesus? Of course, the question then comes, did Jesus grant you those things or did you go out to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and get them for yourself? Are they the fruit of the devil? 
and unbelief in Jesus, but confidence in, in the ways of the world and in the ruler of this world. When we come back to the book of Mark, after John was put in prison, this is verse 14, this is chapter 1 of Mark, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, or proclaiming the gospel of God. The time has come, he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. If I pull a chair out and I say to you, do you believe that this chair can bear your weight? Do you believe you would be okay sitting in this chair? You look at the chair and you say, yes, I believe that. Do you trust this chair? Well, the only way you can say that you trust in that chair is to go sit in it. See, the devil believes, but he does not trust. To believe really means to put my trust in. To put my trust in, to put my, to put my full weight down. To say, yes, yes, I believe, I trust. I put my life on the line for God. I will trust Him. Now, most of you, have never been pressed to the point of will you trust God? For most, it is simply in America an intellectual understanding about Jesus and about the gospel with a little sentiment added to it, a little sentimentality added to it. But if you suddenly lost your job and you had no food, and your electricity was going to be turned off or was turned off. Now, can you pray in such a manner that all of that can be restored and quickly? Do you believe, do you trust Jesus with your very life? Or are you out trusting in your own life and in your own power and in your own strength and your own ability? Have you ever been brought to a complete and total end of yourself where you have no possibility of even surviving if God does not step in and do something amazing to rescue you? Jesus comes. And his first words are repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and trust. Now, why repent? 
because, as I said a moment ago, the natural human heart is at enmity with God. You find that, and I'll turn quickly to it and just read it for you so that you'll understand what I'm saying. In the third chapter of the book of Romans, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is none who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their way. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the Apostle Paul in Romans, the third chapter. He is describing the condition of every human being on the face of the earth. Now, you may say, oh, but pastor, I'm not like that. Well, you are not like that only by the grace of the Lord God of heaven, only because he has come and begun to work a wonderful work of restoration in your heart. But what will stop that work of restoration is if you come to the very edge and you cannot make that decision to absolutely trust in Jesus, to put your weight down with Jesus. Give yourself wholly unto him. Jesus came into this world as a baby. And I'm sure this world was a stench in his nostrils. I'm sure it was a stench that was almost unbearable for him. I don't think he ever became accustomed to the stench of sin in the world. And he came to die as an atoning sacrifice on Calvary in order that that stench could be cleaned out, that the works of the devil could be destroyed, that sin could be forever banished right now in the life of every Christian, that that there would be a sweet-smelling savor in the earth that is the life of a of a Christian man or woman who has made the decision, I will trust in Jesus. I will put my full confidence in him. I will not waver one way or the other. I will leave everything that is of darkness. It struck me this morning in the early hours as I was praying in the book of John. Jesus begins to talk about the loaves and the fishes. He begins to talk about what it means to eat the flesh of blood, drink the blood, eat the flesh of Jesus. I'll read for you man who was healed in the ninth chapter of the book of John was a blind man. After the Lord revealed himself, he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. 
Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Jesus came specifically to break the power of darkness. He came intentionally to say to us, Will you trust me? Will you put your confidence in me? You find John, the third chapter, verse 5. I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Then verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he has done has been done through God. I want to read another passage for you. This is John 6, verse 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The great sin of the children of Israel was that they refused to believe in the living God of heaven, even though he demonstrated at every hand his awesome power, his mercy, his grace, his love. He he put it right out there in front of their faces. They refused to trust in him. And so now the Jews ask Jesus, what must we do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Do you believe that God can come and lead you out of the absolute bitter, hard place you find yourself in today? Do you believe that God, by his Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, can lead you out of that place of darkness and deliver you? Do you believe that? If you believe that, are you willing to give up all bitterness and all anger and all discouragement and simply stand and praise and worship the mighty God of heaven? If you look... Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Verse 53. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Verse 63. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Now let me become very, very practical. I have been each month, as you who are long-term listeners know, telling you how much to the dollar we are short of being able to pay the radio bill for the month. I have been tempted many times to become quite discouraged and say, Lord, if you want this, would you please cover the cost? And by his grace, each month he has stepped in and he's covered the cost. Some time back, the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice, and he said three things to me. I've shared this before, but please, in the context of what I'm sharing today, hear what I'm about to say. The Lord said to me, wait upon the Lord. In other words, don't go out and devise your own plan and your own scheme, but wait on me, because I'm standing by faith for revival in Washington, D.C. I know the only thing that can turn the course of America is for another great awakening, and I have laid my life on the line for that great awakening, and I'm spending hours in prayer and scripture and meditation before the Lord, waiting on his direction for the next step. Secondly, he said to me, I will carry you through. And I want to tell you, he has been carrying me as a child carried in the parents' arms. I'm not on salary. I don't have a means of support other than the Lord God of heaven. And he told me, and I agreed to it many years ago, that I would not ask anyone for anything for me that I would receive only from his hand what he chose to give me. So I'm not on salary. I wait upon the Lord, and he moves in the hearts of men and women who love the Lord, and they supply for the work of the gospel ministry. Now, he said a third thing to me. He said, Rest in me, Ray. That was the first time he... I ever heard the Lord God of heaven use my personal name. Rest in me, Ray. And so I come. The question is, can I trust him? Can I trust him to pay the rent? Can I trust him to pay the radio bill? Can I trust him to buy the food? 
to give me the resources necessary to live. I drive an old 1996 Toyota Camry. Can I trust him with that old car? Can I, can I trust him to bring me, when he's ready, a new car? You see, this issue of trust is not just an emotional, okay, I'll trust him. No, it's a working out. It's a, it's a working out in the spirit what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do in the work of the gospel in Washington, D.C. Now, one man called, texted, said to me, Pastor, I think people are a little discouraged about this issue of Pilgrim's Progress going to the FM side of the dial because you've been talking about it now for some time, but it's not happened. He said, I'd like to give a a challenge of $3,000. And if someone will meet that, match it, I'll give the entire amount. And so, praise God, one brother stepped forward and said, Yes, I'll give $3,000. And so the fund grows. But we're a long way from being able to make that transition yet. And so, I know that I'm praying and asking God to move in many of your hearts to step forward and say, Yes, Pastor, I'll give $1,000 a month toward FM radio. I'll give $1,000 a month. Because you believe that this message that is proclaimed, unvarnished, plain and clear, day by day, needs to go to Washington, D.C., in a place where most can hear it. Most will not listen to an AM station. In fact, some cars don't even have AM on their dial. So should I mount a campaign to try to raise the money? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm telling you as an example of trusting in God what the need is. And I have to tell you, I praise God for the precious sister who yesterday sent $200 and another brother who sent $700. I praise God for this dear sister who every month sends $20. I praise God for the dear brother who sends $5. Every little bit adds up and God puts it all together and he makes it work. But it's going to take some people who say, Yes, Lord, I hear you. You want me to begin giving $1,000 a month or more to the National Prayer Chapel for FM radio so that this broadcast can go on the FM dial. I know that the Lord has told me to wait upon him and he will do it. Now, please understand. I'm not talking about ethereal things today. When I'm saying, will you trust God? I'm saying, will you trust God in your finances? Will you trust God in your health? Will you trust God and stop feeding on all of the things of the world 
that comfort you as you're in misery because God isn't trustworthy. Some of you feast on the internet for hours every day. Some of you feast on the movies. Some of you feast on the professional sports. Some of you feast on the parties. Some of you feast on the alcohol and the pot. Some of you feast on the unclean, sexually unclean things. And all of those things you feast on because you don't trust Jesus. He's not enough for you. But I showed you today, he said, My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I remain in him. Do you want Jesus to remain in you? Then you must step forward and eat his flesh and drink his blood. How do you do that? Do that by reading the scriptures, by fasting, by meditation, by prayer, by focusing your whole attention upon Jesus Christ and the future that you pray for that God will release you from this world in glory as you have finished your work and take you into the eternal realm. That's where we want to go. Our eyes are upon Jesus. So is there any cost too much for me? Is there any sacrifice too great for me to lift my hands in praise and worship to Jesus? and acknowledge him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords? The answer is no. There is no cost too great that would tell me to stop praising and worshiping Jesus. Even when it looks like the rent's not going to be paid, or it looks like the radio broadcast is going to go off the air, do I still lift up my hands and praise Jesus? When I'm sick and hurting, do I still praise Jesus? When I'm driving my old car and it's beginning to break down, do I praise Jesus? Do I know that the restoring mighty power of God is flowing on my behalf and I'm going to trust in him as he takes me through this process and I'm going to praise him and worship him and stand by faith My deliverance is sure. You see, there's no question that he's going to deliver me. There's no question that we are going to go to the FM side of the dial because when we begin to speak to Washington, D.C. in power, in the power of the Spirit, revival is going to break out in this city. I know that. The Holy Spirit has told me this. Is there any cost too great? For me to prepare to help bring revival to this great city? No. Everything's on the line. My life is on the line. The money he's given me is on the line. Everything I possess is on the line for Jesus. I will trust him. My wife was dying. Cancer. Oh, how it hurt my heart. And I prayed. 
I prayed. Finally, the Lord spoke, and he said, You're too big for me to answer your prayer. It crushed me right down to the ground. It made me weep before the Lord. He was telling me I was too self-important, too full of my own ideas, too full of my own ambition and my own dreams. And he took her. In the agony that followed, in the day by day weeping before him, he began to humble my heart, to reduce my size. And he has reduced me now down to just about nothing. I have no confidence in my flesh. I have, no, I have no confidence in my ability as a radio minister. I have no confidence in myself as an evangelist, as a revivalist, as a pastor. All of my confidence has been taken away, destroyed. And what I have left is this glorious trust in my heart in Jesus Christ. I trust him. There is no demonic attack that he can bring against me that I have not already suffered. There's no demonic attack that he can bring that will cause me to turn from my trust in Jesus. I have lost everything I treasured, everything I put my value in, everything that gave me standing friendships, success, intellectual ability, I've lost it all. Process of losing it all. I've gained Jesus. And I trust him. Sometimes I trust him through the tears. But quickly as I trust him through the tears, the spirit of rejoicing comes upon my heart and I begin to praise him and honor him and glorify his name. He will deliver. I'm not praying for deliverance in a new car. Oh, I'd like one, but I'm not praying for deliverance in a new car. Are you kidding me? I'm not praying for success. I'm not praying for anything save one thing, the mighty power of Jesus to be made evident in this city to bring revival to Washington, D.C. That's the cry of my heart. I'm not going to feast on anything of this world. I'm not going to be found in the movie theater. I'm not going to be found 
in the entertainment centers. I'm not going to be found at the clubs. I'm not going to be found in the wickedness of this world. I'm going to be found in the word of God. I'm going to be found on my knees. I'm going to be found ministering to the needs of other people. I am going to be found doing the work of Jesus as I wait upon him for the deliverance of this city in revival power. How is it with you? Are you with me? Are you standing in the same place? Your heart overflowing with joy because of the intimacy of Jesus with you? Is your heart flowing with joy because you trust Jesus? You've put your weight down with Jesus and now live or die, it doesn't matter. You will trust him to carry you all the way through to Cana land. You will trust him to ensure that his work is accomplished. Oh, my brother, my sister, the flesh counts for nothing. What counts is the spirit, the spirit of the living God. Jesus comes preaching, repent and believe. calls it the gospel. Now in the coming days, I'm going to share with you and Alexandra will be back with me. She is on her way back from celebrating Christmas with her relatives who are Coptic Christians up in New York where they celebrated Christmas on the 7th of January. We're going to walk with you through this book of Mark. It's not simply a random series of stories. It was very carefully put together and designed to show us, first of all, what the kingdom of God is and what the good news is really about in the deliverance from every stronghold of Satan, deliverance from every demonic power, and then finally to how we are to live to participate in the kingdom of God. And I, as we come to the conclusion of this broadcast today, I want to take a moment. I believe that there are some of you listening to this broadcast right now who are under very strong demonic attack. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, There are listeners today who are right there in the valley of decision, whether they will or whether they will not trust you with their time, their money, their family, their own lives. And they are under great demonic attack. And Jesus, when you came, you said, repent and believe the good news. And almost immediately, you began to cast out every unclean spirit. I'm asking now, in the name of Jesus, that you come to every person listening to this broadcast and every demonic attack that is coming against them, I bind now in the name of Jesus. And I lift up my voice in praise and worship and thanksgiving that you are good news. You deliver from that demonic attack. 
Lord, you said to Satan, away from me. Lord, we say together right now, away from me, Satan. We resist him in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. If you'd like to talk with me about this broadcast today, you're welcome to call me. 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. I also would like to hear from you. And if you're one of those that God is calling to step forward at that $3,000 matching fund or that $1,000 a month pledge for a year, Write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'll give you that address one more time. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go on the webpage. We have the messages that are delivered here, sermons, blogs. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. And you can also give online. I check every day. And Gloria, thank you for your faithfulness. And thank each one of you who is so faithful in giving. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.